Greetings, Sci-Fi Universe. Owen Cotter here. Join me, your host, as we discuss all things geek chic and out of this world on Sci-Fiction Radio, your galactic transmission portal to all things science fiction and beyond. In this episode, I will be interviewing fifth passenger director Scott Baker and actress co-writer Morgan Lariah. Hold on while they join here shortly. Uh, Scott, Morgan, you there? Yeah. Hey, is this Scott? It is. Hey, how you doing today, man? Welcome to the show. Is Morgan joining us, or? Yeah, I've got uh, Morgan Lariah here. Okay, cool. Very cool, very cool. Well, how are you all doing today, by the way, everybody? Fantastic, how are you? Awesome. That's good awesome. stuff to hear. Good. Well, let's. Uh, I guess we'll just kind of like go around, like around the table, and then I'll ask questions, and anybody feel free to chime in and uh, you know say whatever you, you think you can add to the, the question. Cool. Um, first off, I guess we go like uh, around the table, introducing everybody. Uh, so I guess Scott Morgan and everybody can just kind of introduce yourselves and tell a little bit about your uh, background, like the things you do and such. Okay. Uh, well, I'm. Scott Baker, uh, writer, director, co-producer of *The Passenger*. Um, I have this is this is my first um, feature film as, as a director. Um, I've uh, written and directed a whole bunch of uh, short films, um, and I do a lot of camera work, uh, cinematography, Steadicam, things like that. So that's me. And um, I'm <laughs> I'm Morgan Loretta, and I co-wrote the Fifth Passenger Scott, and I also acted in it and produced it with him as well. I've um, made a couple short films before this. This is also my first feature film, and I've written a couple other features, but this is the first one that was made and produced and all that jazz. And I also do a myriad of odd jobs to support my rock and roll lifestyle. <laughs> Very cool. And I'm Morgan. <laughs> I'm Manu Ente Reime. Um, some people may know me as Egypt from Star Trek Voyager and Star Trek Renegades, or Billy from One Tree Hill. I'm also, I play Thompson in Fifth Passenger, and I'm the co-producer of the film. And um, I've been an actor for about 20 years and then moved into producing about six years ago. Awesome. And uh, is there there's somebody else on the line, too, isn't there? No, that's is that everybody? Okay, I just, I just said, no, I just was curious. I, just, I heard you said there was a bunch of people. I just didn't know how old I'm on. Now, you mentioned uh, Star Trek. Uh, Manu, uh, I was a big fan of Voyager as well. I love that show. Uh, just curious, uh, just to start with you as a question, and we'll kind of go around the table. Being in the sci-fi background, how was this film, like, it was it any, it was set in deep space, just like, you know, like in your show. How is it a little bit, is any different kind of aspect, I guess, than uh, that? How how different was that from the show you were in? Just curious, being in that kind of um, well, That was what was so exciting about this movie. I met Scott a number of years ago when we were shooting mm-hmm. um, a trailer for a thriller in the woods, and Scott was doing Steadicam. And he, we got to talking about screenplays and sci-fi scripts, and he wanted to know if I, I wanted to look at something that him and uh, his writing partner had written. And I read mm-hmm. it. Um, way back then, I just, I, it was so different than Star Trek because, it, you know, it's a, it's a psychological thriller slash horror film in deep space. Um, and it's not your run-of-the-mill, 
you know, typical horror film or or psychological thriller. It was really intelligently written, and the characters were really well written, and it's got an amazing ending. Um, and I was just I was blown away by the script in general, and wanted to make it immediately. So, um, hmm. so it's I think that's why all you know a bunch of friends of mine, actor friends of mine like Tim Russ and Marina Sirtis and um, Armin Shimmerman and, and Doug Jones and guys like that, uh, Hanahate got on board um, all because this was something completely different than Voyager. Mm. Um, more, you know, more grounded in the... Voyager's a little bit... You know, it's it's glossy. It's, it, it's a little over, over the top. I, you know, I love Star Trek and I love its style, but this movie mm. is more gritty, more raw, more like... Um, down to earth and and just gritty and raw, whereas Star Trek is really clean and um, the acting styles for this movie were a lot different than 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 you would act in a Star Trek film. I, I think something like about Star Trek, whether it's like Voyager, or like but I think like like uh, you know Deep Space Nine, some of those you almost forget that they're in space that they're. There's so much in, you know, these huge ships and they're wandering around halls and in different rooms and things. And, you know, one of the things about the passenger that that that, that I that just got me so excited to push forward on this project is this idea of people lost in space in this little escape pod and it's this lifeboat and it's like you're in the middle of the ocean and and the 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 fear of the, of the void of space being this deadly thing that's always around you is, is part of what goes on in the film. And, and, and that's something I think is it doesn't, doesn't play too big of a part in, in the Star Trek world. It's, we're, you know, we're in this ship, and then we take this other ship and we're on a planet, and, you know, there's, there's not, there's, there's very seldomly are people, like, afraid that they're going to get sucked out into space or that they're going to, um, you know, that there's, because this, you know, space is a very deadly thing, and you know, human beings aren't made to you know survive in space. You know, really. and, and so that's that's right. a, you know, you know, a constant element of the film is is like, oh, you know, like like we're gonna run out of air, or you know, what you know, what if you know this thing breaks and we get sucked out into space, or or, or whatever, you know. Yeah, it's a deep look at the the it's a deep look at how humanity and human beings act under extreme pressure um, under, you know, not only the space and, and the void outside the ship, but, but what's going on inside the ship when when it comes down to brass tacks and um, the proverbial uh, crap is hitting the fan, how human beings behave. Right, right. Now, you said the film has that retro, like, kind of thriller feel, much like that of the Alien series almost, you know, like the old school stuff. Um, we don't physically see the fifth passenger, I noticed, in the trailer. Like, what kind of approach are you going to bring about the unseen character? Are you going to go at more CGI or more physical, practical effects? Or how are you, how are you gonna, are we going to see it at all? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, that's, that's a great question. I mean, we, we did do it the more traditional style. It is, it's, a, it's a practical... Uh, it's like a, a animatronic puppet. Um, a Thomas Supernaut was our makeup uh, lead, and also um, you know created the alien creature. And it's this uh, terrifying little beast. Um, and you know one one of the things about it is not showing it because there's that fear of you know what is this thing that's stalking us. And and I think you know obviously you know the human imagination fills in 
you know, the unknown, what's, what's lurking in the shadows, and that, that's, you know, certainly mm-hmm. part of it. I think you see it, uh, it, it, it spoils a bit of the, of, of the fear, but not how, like, gruesome and, and grotesque the thing can be. If you look at it for too long, it, it spoils that. But, um, I, I think, right. you know, I think having a, um, a practical, uh, you know, puppet thing there on set is, um, is, you know, better in so many ways. I mean, it, it looks it looks real, and so within the camera, it looks it just looks like it's actually there because it is, and it's uh, easier to shoot because you know where it's at in the frame, and, and the actors have something to reference, and it's it, it, it's cheaper in the long run than having to to mm. pay people to create the CGI thing. But so it's I'm not even going to look real anyway. Yeah, yeah. No matter how right, right. It kind of looks cartoony, but. I, I think so much is the, 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 the interacting with the actors. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm sure Morgan can speak to that. There's, there's one scene in particular that, <laughs> that I know that, that I, I was able to push a performance from her that, <laughs> that, that, that I just, it just wouldn't have been possible without uh, with, with a, 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 a CGI monster. Um, having a, a practical effect like this was always something Scott really, really pushed for because he was a big fan of all those, you know, John Carpenter's The Thing and Aliens and all that old school styling and and um, mm-hmm. and I'm so glad that he did from the beginning because, again, as you mentioned, it saved us a lot of money, but also because I didn't, like, I've, I've done green screen work and I like it. I think it's fun. It's fun to visualize these things, but there's always a part of my brain that's always thinking, like, oh, I hope I'm staring at the right thing and it's this, you know, this is a tennis ball or whatever. And, and then to actually have this practical alien on set was unbelievable. Like it really, really affected my performance um, in ways I didn't even realize it was going to. And um, it was covered in this uh, viscous goo that stank so badly. So on top of having this, hideous, terrifying little creature uh, on set, it, you could also smell it, and it was repugnant, and that was incredible, too. And it was it was just very, very real. So, um, And then you get the, the slime on you. It was disgusting. It was fantastic. And that was awesome. your first question, too. You know, there's some, mm-hmm. something that was exciting about coming to this movie and, and what was different about Voyager in this film was Scott was talking about having talking about the alien films and, and the, the genius of those practical aliens that they were there and they were they were puppets and animatronics and um, just how well they were designed. And I was excited to get to work on, on a on a film that was not going to rely on, on these modern-day CG effects for, for the creature. And I, I kept thinking in my mind, like, we want to do Jaws in space but not have a 155-day shoot. Um so it was just exciting to do that, I think, for all of us, to work with something that was, that's going to be there and not going to be in a, an effect that we see uh, years later or months later. Right, right. And I noticed, like, you, you're, uh, Scott, uh, you, you're a master with the Steadicam, and I noticed there was a, a spacewalk scene of sorts in the trailer, and I think, Manu, you were the one that was responsible to go out on the back of the spaceship and kind of crawl in the hole and everything, and... Just curious, um, two questions. One's for you and one's for uh, Manu. Uh, as a director and being with the Steadicam, how difficult was it to film that scene? And Manu, what was that like? Is it got to be something a little different than what you've done before? Um, well, actually, the um, 
you know, I, I did I did quite a bit of you know steady cam in, in, in the film. Um, right. And uh, you know, for me as a director, it's it's nice because it's like I kind of I'm like bypassing you know the middlemen. It's it, it's like one less person that I have to tell what what I want it to look like. It's like I can just take the mm-hmm. camera and I can go and I can do it. Um, actually, for the for the stuff that we did of the green screen, we, we didn't use any steady cam. We we those were all either like locked off shots or dolly shots, um, just mm-hmm. for the sake of saving us as far as the budget goes, because it's um like exponentially more expensive to do a green screen shot if the camera's moving all over the place. And so right. um so you know, that's that's one of the advantages of like shooting in five K is that you have the room to to move the frame within the shot, and so you can you can in post you can add what looks like camera movement when you're actually just sort of like reframing the shot. Um, mm. And so that you know, that that was one of the things I, I've done a lot of I, I've, I've worked on a lot of projects with with visual effects, and so I, I was really mindful as we as we shot the film to to try to minimize not just the number of VFX shots that we were doing, but also the complexity of the VFX shots. Try to make them simple because I knew that that this is a, a, a tight budget film and that we, we were you know, we weren't gonna have two million dollars to spend on the VFX. Mm-hmm. So but you know, let's try to keep the number of VFX to a minimum and keep the ones that we do shoot as simple as possible. Um but uh-huh. But it was definitely like just as a whole, being being the Steadicam operator on my film. You know, there were times where, you know, you, you know, you feel the pressure of everybody's looking at you because you're you're not just the the camera operator anymore. You're also you know you're also the director, and and so so there were a, a, you know a couple moments in the film where where it just those those two roles together, you know, felt like like a lot of pressure. Like, okay, I, I got to get this right because I can't, you know, I can't push the blame back on anybody else because it's all, you know, this, this shot is all riding on me. So. We did have an amazing right. DP though. Um, her name's Awana Vasili, and and she was incredible with helping to visualize this film and, and bring the, the visual conceptual aspects to life. Um, but yeah, Scott did all the study cam and. Um, it really, I think, adds up a really great dynamic effect to it, and was totally necessary. Yeah. As far as yeah, it looks really on good. The ship. Oh, thanks. Um, as What's far as going around, around on, well, you said me. <laughs> I, I right, go out yeah. on the ship, um, and as far as taking a hike outside and and walking around on the the outside of this spaceship that we're in, um, it, it was <laughs> we did it really ingeniously and so you know it's a twofold answer because one all i'm walking around on is a maybe a what was it like 12 feet by six foot square piece of plywood up in front of a green screen (laughs) and then a lot of time i'm just in front of a green screen on the concrete floor uh pretending Mm -hmm. like i'm walking around on the ship um so i didn't have a lot of space to work with and I'm I'm walking around on this giant ship, except I only have this small area to actually walk around on. So we did some really sort of fun things with camera where I walked backwards to make mm-hmm. it look like I was walking forwards and she was zooming in and zooming out as I was running backwards, but it actually looked like I'm running forwards. Um, so 
it was difficult and fun and green screen work in general as an actor when you start doing it you hate it because mm. you don't have anything there to work off of and right. but once you once you sink into your your um imagination and you start actually seeing you know you convince yourself you're stuck out there in space and you convince yourself what the spaceship looks like um, there was a scene I had to go over to the edge of the plywood and look over the edge of the ship down at some damage that had been done and then radio down to a person to check it out. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just looking at the floor standing on some plywood, but you have to, <laughs> you have, you have to go there in your mind. Um, and so it's frustrating. The first few takes are always frustrating because you've got 20 people looking at you doing something kind of ridiculous. And if, mm-hmm. as soon as you can block that out of your mind, and go to the place in your imagination, then it gets fun. And once you believe right. you're there, then, then it all gets gets to be a real good time. Yeah, and I you know, I gotta add to Manu and, and, and Morgan for toughing it out in those spaces. I know they were they were sweating, especially Manu, he's uh he just he, he just he just looks at the space and he starts sweating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah wow. So it's just uh you know, uh you know, it's maybe maybe that's 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 why I'm a director, not an actor. But um, you know, having having to deal with some of those things because you know he's not in space. He's he's in this thing, and we're in the studio when it's hot and there's lights on, and he's sweating. And every, you know, between every take, it's you know we got to lift the mask up because it, it fills with you know fills with the, the you know steam condensation of of just him being inside of it and everything <laughs> like that. And they're you know they're able to get performances, and I'm. You know, yeah, you know, I'm like yelling at him because he can't hear me through the through the helmet. So, you know, I'm I'm yelling at him to look afraid or to say this or to say that. And and you know, we you know we were on a time crunch because because our, our budget was so small that we didn't have time to okay, we're gonna spend all day on this one little scene. It was like all right, we gotta get this and we gotta move on because we gotta shoot this. And Marina Service is coming in in an hour and we gotta get set up because she's gonna come in and we only have her for half a day or whatever. And and so it was, um, you know, all, all the actors, are, you know, I give them so much credit for, for what they did because, um, you know, we didn't have a lot of time to to, to spend in these scenes and, and to, to, you know, like if, if this had been a $20 million film, you know, we could have really taken our time with, with a lot of the stuff and we just, that was just one luxury we, we didn't have, um, but, but they all were still able to, you know, to be something amazing. And I think that's a credit to, to their acting ability um, you know, people like 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 Manu and Tim and Armin who are you know have been on TV and, and they know that and I think that that's something that that for me was such a joy to work with people who um, that's that's what they do and you know they're they're used to going in for a season of a show where every day I'm coming into work and I'm acting and and they're they're on set for ten twelve hours a day every day and and they just can kind of turn it on um, and, and it's not a it's, it's not a, a a struggle. It's uh, it's actually fun because cause they know what they're doing and they're able to jump into the character so quickly. Right, right. Well, I have a question. I agree with what you're saying. Like, you know, the, uh, the all the actors like Tim and of course you, Manu and uh, Maria. They've been, you know, they're veterans of the sci-fi world, so they're used to all the, you know, the film stuff. I have a question for you, Morgan. Um, the film focuses around your character of Eve Miller quite a bit, pretty much the whole film. Now, in my opinion, there seems to be a lack in modern cinema, and I've done a lot of research. There doesn't seem to be much in TV for having strong female lead characters. 
just curious as to what are your thoughts on this, and do you have any, like, uh, inspirational words that you might like to share to individuals that are getting into the acting world and perhaps even encourage the studios to bring about kind of a change to this current trend in modern filmmaking and television? Sure. Um, well, actually, I think there's a lot of strong female roles on TV, and I think um, I think TV is really championing all these amazing roles for women in a way. I mean, it's really the golden mm-hmm. age of television right now, which is really, really thrilling. And, and um, looking at, like, the Emmys last night and seeing Game of Thrones win, like, everything, it was, it was really incredible, and there's a lot of strong women on that. Um, and I think mm-hmm. also for writers, there's a lot of writing for women in television as well. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. I think, you know, and if you look at the numbers of directors, especially in television, like there's, uh, there's some television shows that have never hired a, a female director for an episode, which to me is mm-hmm. just shocking, but these, these, there's a lot of them and they do exist. And then looking at the percentages, um, of women who, who directed the top grossing films, um, that's also a very startling and depressing number, and the fact that these numbers haven't really changed since the 70s, um, I think right. is, is crazy. Um, but I do think um, there is a change that's happening, and I think that uh, there's a shift, and I think that there will be more more women and just more diversity in general, because to me, um, you know, there, the fact is, is that the world is diverse, and so what, whichever, wh- whomever is the lead in in a movie or a television series, you automatically empathize with that character. You know, you you see the world through their gaze, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of power in that, and there's a lot of influence in that. And and so, I I see things changing, and that there will be more writers and directors who are diverse and are women, and and we can start telling all sorts of different stories and and having a different kind of gaze and and kind of feeling through a different type of person, which I think is is vital for our existence of, as human beings because there are different people. Um, so I don't know. As far as inspiration, I think I always just go back to, you know, if anyone has an idea for a story or feels compelled to tell a story, I always think there's a reason why. I mean, we don't know why, but you should tell that story anyway because if you feel compelled to tell it, then I think it's going to help not only you, but it could possibly help somebody else. And so it's there for a reason. Um, and I believe in that fundamentally to my core. And, and I'd say as far as, like, you know, advice or whatever, I mean, even me, I mean, I'm, I'm an average white guy, and, and and so I, you know, conceivably have all the advantages going into this, but, the, you know, you know, creating this film was, was still, you know, you know, a struggle for us, and, and one of the reasons why I was able to make the film is, is because of some of the, the, the friends I made out here in L.A., and one of them is, is Mark Vickery, and, you know, one of the things that he always, he always says is don't wait for someone to pick you. Uh, if you right. want to be a director or a writer or an actor, whatever, just go out and create it yourself and, and find the mm-hmm. people that will work with you and, and do whatever you have to do to make it. Don't don't sit around waiting for the phone to ring. Um, and and that's, that's something that, that the first time he, he said that stuck with me and, and was, was the, you know, one of the drivers to, you know, to push us forward to make this film is that, you know, no, no one's mm-hmm. going to come and, you know, drop $10 million dollars on, on my doorstep to help me help you make this movie. You know, we went out and we, you know, right. hustled and got, got got people on board and, you know, went to Kickstarter and, yeah. you know, all those sorts of things. So. Right, right. I agree with you on that. And I've been advice around. to give you there. 
Oh, go ahead. I've been around long and long enough in this business, close to 20 years, to see a dramatic change in, in parts for women mm-hmm. and roles for women and jobs for women. I mean, I remember yeah. being. I'm all, I'm pushing 40 here, but um, well, you know, I, I, don't worry about <laughs> I was 17, you know, and I remember the first 10 years yeah. of this business. I worked with a lot of dudes, a lot of white mm-hmm. males, in everything that I was in, and we've, you know, the last six, eight, ten years, we've seen a dramatic change in, in that. Um, mm. the, the Just the the dogma and the, the status quo has changed pretty rapidly, and it's, yeah. it's nice to see. Right. And Star Trek kind of pioneered some of that, too. Oh, go ahead, Morgan. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up because, um, you know, you started off this, this interview talking about how his passenger is different from Star Trek, and I was thinking about some of the ways in which it's similar, and one of those ways is mm. there is a fair amount of diversity in this film, and that's something I'm really, really proud of um, because it supports the story, but also because I just think it looks better. Like, I think it's beautiful that way. It just It's more interesting mm. and visually to look at, and so, you know, why wouldn't we want that? Why wouldn't we have that? And especially as a creator, it's something that I will always push for. Mm. Right, I agree with you on that too. Uh, right quick before we uh, wrap up, I have a question, and you, you each can answer it in your own words. Just curious, in each of your own words, could you describe like the message that you personally like the viewer to take from while watching the Fifth Passenger as a whole, the movie as a whole? I didn't understand the question. Like, uh, what kind of a message would you like people to take from the movie while watching, and like as a personal, like you know? you know, overlooking the film, like what kind of message would that you like to take from the film watch while watching it? Um, well, I, I think for, for me as, as as a writer on the film, um, mm. you know, I, I wasn't necessarily trying to make a statement or make someone come away with a certain opinion, but I, I, I like mm. to raise questions and and I, I want I want to, to you know for people to question their beliefs about things. And, and, and with this film, it's, it's a lot about, um, you know, morality and ethics because it, it, it's about that lifeboat in space. And, and right. so, you know, those, those questions come up of, of what's right and what's wrong. And, and when, when you're in an extreme situation and society breaks down and, it's, you know, you have things like possessions and, and who's entitled mm-hmm. to what and what does your station in life mean and, and you know those those are the kind of questions like like what what would you do to survive? I think that that was the essential question that 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 we that 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 kind of runs throughout the film that that we're that we're asking. So I, I think it's more of it's more of a question I want people to think about than an actual answer because I think that answer is different for everybody. And I think that's that's what the film is about is is about how to how do different people approach that question of, of what what would I do to to survive. I uh, the whole reason that I act in general, the whole reason that I do this is because I believe that good films, um, no matter what the characters' choices are, if you if the characters are making strong choices as actual human beings, um, you and making emotional hard choices. Um, when you watch the film, and it's, a, and it's a good film, you get affected by watching those human beings, and you can relate to the choices they make and the reasons why they made those choices, whether they're cowardly or whether they're um, heroic and self-sacrificing. And the characters in this film make so many different choices that I think 
this film is going to affect people emotionally on a deep level in a lot of different ways. Um, there's a few storylines going on that are emotionally powerful and impactful. Mm-hmm. And that's all that's important to me in my work is that I affect people emotionally because when you do affect people emotionally, you build empathy around the whole planet. And that's what I think is so cool about the, just the art form of film. If you watch it, a, a great movie, you walk out of it more empathetic to the human condition and, and you realize that we're all, you know, um, not just individuals out on our own, but that we're all the same thing. Mm. Very cool. Very cool. Um, well, I'm going to uh, piggyback a little bit. Oh, fine. Mm. <laughs> What's that? Uh, well, I was just going to say, I will you piggybacking on what Scott said, I, I think it's also about, to me, watching the film, it's about uh, knowing, thinking you know who you are and then wondering who you really are under circumstances that are extreme. So that's Very what the cool. film was for me. Very cool. Well, right quick before we end the show, I just wanted to ask y'all, do y'all have any, like, website links or any Twitters or anything like that that you'd like to give Absolutely. out for people to find out? Yeah, well, uh, what we're doing right now is um, on September 29th, we're going to be launching our uh, Indiegogo campaign to fund the, the visual effects for the film. And so uh, if, if you like what you heard, you can you can support us. You can just go to our, our website at fifthpassenger.com. And that'll that'll take you right to to uh, uh, to our page. We see all the information about the film, and you can donate to get uh, costumes and and props and things like that from the from the film, signed memorabilia. Um, and we're on uh, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram uh, at Fifth Passenger Five Th Passenger. Um, so we're we're all over all the social medias there. And what's really amazing about this film. Um, if you want to mention it towards the end of the article, is that, you know, we put this thing together because we we were lucky enough to find some sets that we could redecorate and do a couple of builds and make a spaceship of our own and save some money on. And so we decided to put up this Kickstarter, and sci-fi fans supported it to the tune of, you know, I think $80,000, um, eighty two grand or something like that, which sent us out on a path to make a movie, but $82,000 doesn't make a movie. And so we found other monies and spent some of our own monies, and this thing has ballooned into a big project now. And it's a cool film um, that the fans started, and we're so close to finishing. We just need to pay the companies that, um, two companies that are doing the visual effects on the film are two A-list kick-ass companies, um, you know, that, that that do visual effects for big, big Hollywood films. Um, oh. And they, they need to be paid, and that's sort of the last ingredient to this film being the best film that it can be. And, and that's what right. we're doing. We're right. selling some of the perks in the campaign where we're selling some of the wardrobe from the film and some of the props, and, um, you know, people can have a chance to actually have a physical part of this whole thing. Very cool. Very, very cool. Well, guys, Scott, Morgan, and uh, Manu, it was very, very pleasure having you guys on the show. I had an absolute blast talking with you today. Oh, thank you so much for having us. You're most welcome, and I absolutely cannot wait to see the fifth pass here, guys. You guys have a beautiful day. You too. Thank you. This is Owen Cotter thanking you for listening to Sci Fiction Radio. 
don't forget to visit our website at www.sidefiction.com.